We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Ken and Curtis, live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEEI. I think the... The most uh, informed thing I can say is that it's expensive to have baseball players. To have the best. So, so, so what, what has enabled us over the years to be able to spend with the Yankees and the Dodgers and is, is your support. And that support is through ticket prices. It's, it's watching this, but a lot of it for us is ticket. Fans unleashed their frustration on the brass last night here at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield, Mass. That's the big story of the day. Ken Laird's going to be on a dais talking about the future of EEI later today in front of the fans. It'll be very interesting. I will not be. But uh, Curtis is here, and Bradfoe is here oh. on the Ken and Curtis show. He's been. Wandering around, are you giving books away or are you selling books? First, of all? only to the only to the people I care a lot about. I, I'm giving the books, Ooh. not selling them. Comes out February 28th. Uh, and da- the book is called "A Damn Near Perfect Game: Reclaiming America's Pastime," written by the Ernest Hemingway of baseball, Joe Kelly, and myself. Can you sign mine? Yeah, you're better than Ken. <laughs> I, I'll do it right after this. I Thank promise. You. I'll sign anything. You do that, you're dead to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. Oh, after all the gear I've given you, I've given you a book, a sweatshirt. You do have a baseballs and boys sweatshirt. Are boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Can you make a Ken is boring sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> we can do anything. It's all part of the brand. That's he is idea. the brand manager. So he there really is. He is the BM. <laughs> Bradfoe has his harem here. He's got Coop. He's got Gordo. Yeah. The, the guys. Uh, the who says no guy. Who says yeah. no? Excellent. Posse. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I mean, oh my God. Who doesn't like fake? trades honestly who doesn't like fake trades so what's the next even in football in the football world that's what we do i mean trades ordway used to write them all down (laughs) (laughs) uh let's get your reaction to last night rob so we've had (laughs) sam kennedy on we've had cora on i mean they all i want to get your reaction first before i give you curtis was loving it like i love by the way so i was over here uh on the side here the back and forth bavetta yeah and so he was good. No, so yeah, so I, I told you, I told you in yeah. all honesty, I said he can, you know, it can be kind of like boilerplate stuff with him. Yeah, um, but I have a way of getting people off well, their game. No, no, but that's the thing is that like he, he legitimately like, what are you talking about? How right. dare you? <laughs> but that was good. It was a good, and I think you guys came to the conclusion that yes, baseball isn't boring. So you know what baseball <laughs> players, you know what baseball players remind me of. The, the uh, yoga moms at the Pete's Coffee in Lexington who are talking about global warming never meeting a soul or speaking with a soul that doesn't agree with everything they say. It's a mutual admiration society. They just never – they can't even fathom 
the notion that someone would disagree. Well, not last night. That is what the baseball players are. I can't wait for the David Ortiz interview. Baseball players. <laughs> don't push Curtis in any direction here. We don't need the, we don't need confrontation. Oh, if you think I'm going to ask about steroids at the Red Sox winter weekend, I'm not going to be doing it. Sorry. It's not the place, and I don't, I don't want to get fired. Good, But good, he good. certainly did. But, but, but to, uh, your, to your point, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. Oh, my God. The baseball players? Well, I, I know that you've been in a massive amount of baseball clubhouses. Right? No, I just heard enough of players that, that, that all say that uh, no matter what, if it's the owner's idea, they boycott it. They, 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 it's a toxic oh, you're ta- relationship. Oh, you're, oh you're, yeah, I think there's that point. It's a good, that's a good point where when, when they came out with these rules, immediately, like I got Matt Strong on the phone, and he was railing on it. And the reason he was railing on it was that point. I think Pavetta had the same thing. It's like, hey, owners, how dare you force this down our throat, and we have to have more of a say in this. Whether it was right or wrong, they – exactly that. The owners, even though it might not totally be true, the owners are forcing this down our throat. How dare they? They didn't confer with us. Actually, the overall vote didn't go in the favor of actually passing these things, and that's where they had a problem with it because they – pass these rules based on this vote of the hierarchy and not the overall, it's like sort of the United States of America thing. You right. know, electoral college. This has to be good electoral Taxation college. Taxation without representation exactly. is tyranny. <laughs> but, but, you're, but you're right. But you're right. I mean, when the owners, th- it, it's, uh, it, it's when the ownership stuff comes up, when the commissioner stuff comes up, then immediately they get pissed off about it. Well, and that's the thing is that you can hate the person, but you can't hate the idea because the idea is rooted in the fact that they split revenue and that the owners believe this will bring more people, hence more revenue to the game. It might be wrong. It might blow up in their face. But as I say, football changes every year. Yeah. But it's already king. Well, so, so I agree with you, but I think that some people bring up good points in how flawed the, the whole the, the execution of it is and what they put in is. There's going to be problems. Like I was just to uh, Ramon Vasquez, who's now the bench coach, and he's talking about the different things like that he doesn't envision like they're going to be able to do because of this. And, and the biggest thing for me with the pitch clock stuff is that the minor – fine, it was in the minor leagues. Well, guess what? Innings seven through nine in the minor leagues, people are all – they've got their five hot dogs and been on the moon bounce. They don't care, right? This is where money is made for the players. So are you going to actually enforce this when it counts the most at the biggest stage? So that – but with football, remember, they had the reviewing the pass interference. Right. And it was it, flawed, and then went away. Exactly. Right. And so that's what we're going to have to see here. Well, and that's the thing, though, is that what the player wants is what's been going on. They don't want to be told they have oh, to change. Right. They want to be the ones that come up with the idea of the change. And so while I understand the frustration, if the players vote against something and it's voted unilaterally against them by the owners, that would piss me off. However... If you don't see the, the eyeballs that are leaving, then you're blind. And I don't care about the seventh inning of a regular season game if we get a ball because Pavetta didn't get the call in in 15 seconds and didn't pitch. The fact is is that this will create controversy, which is what the NFL has lived on, good or bad. Even DeMar Hamlin, more eyeballs. A guy almost dies, does die, gets brought back to life. The baseball conversation in April 
will be more pervasive because of this change because there will be incidents like you discussed that will be run poorly in the eighth inning of a game that will cause our radio show and our radio station to get more people talking baseball than would ordinarily be the case. Good year for the Red Sox to have that, too, which could, could cloud some of the struggles of the team on the well, field. Well, I tell you what, it, it, you're right because we're going to be talking about this all the live long day. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be something that's going to dominate conversation. And one of the things that until I was talking to Vasquez that I didn't really think about, you know, this whole WBC thing, you know, half the world is going in Major League Baseball is going to play the WBC. So this is eating up, like, three-quarters of their spring training. Why they're trying to get used to these rules, guess what? The WBC isn't implementing these rules. So you're heading regular season with a lot of these guys with a week to get ready for this. So to your point, it's going to be more chaotic than we even thought, and that's a good thing. You're right. It's a good thing. We'll talk about it and why you're absolutely right. This pitch clock thing has taken way too long to implement and it was a product of guys, of pitchers saying, you're not going to tell me what to do. Nope. You're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me when to pitch. And that was the wrong way to do it. Can I get it back to Sox fans v. ownership group? I mean, you're the boss, literally. I, I think that's the big story. I like the pitch clock stuff. We have a lot of time to talk about it. But last night, it was I could have gone all day with Rob. Just let the record show. Carry on. Uncomfortable moment last night. Now, we had Sam Kennedy on today. He sort of took Curtis's tract. Curtis thinks it was a good moment. A sign that the fan base cares. A sign that the ownership was accountable. We're going to play craps later today, Sam and I. <laughs> However, <laughs> I think it bodes poorly for Haim. I mean, he, for Haim to try to get through that explanation to Mookie and not to be able to get it out, and I think everybody on stage around them has to be like, oh, boy. what? Like, the fans, wouldn't you agree that the, the vitriol for Haim is much greater than for John Henry or anybody else up there? Well, put it this way. In, in all the years they've had this winter weekend, up until last night, the highlight was when Joe Kelly came over and predicted a Cy Young with me and my, right? That was a great one. So, I'll remember where I but, was. But exactly. I was producing well, that was day. the Mona Lisa Vito right. uh, press conference, too, mm-hmm. day. But we, I remember it for the Mutt uh, confrontation <laughs> with Joe Kelly. Well, we never – we've. This has been – it was completely different than anything we've ever seen. And so when you say it doesn't bode well for Haim, what won't bode well for Haim is if his plan, this whole vision – they don't win. I mean, to me, you can say what you want about the offseason. You can say what you want about what he said last night. You can say what you want about booze. If they don't win, like, this year, like, then you can't go through. You can't come here a year from now and have another winter weekend and have that happen again. Yeah, I would. I think that's true. Now, Kennedy brought up Schwarber with us. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think they – I think – executives above Heim are like, well, boy, you screwed up on the Schwarber. There, there are a couple things they're pointing to tactically on the field, and they are ready to blame him for. So well, you're right. I think that from what I understand, one of the things that Sam said was that they overplayed their their um, prioritizing love and prioritizing Xander Bogarts. Right. So for me, that was the biggest thing. And I, when Bloom came on the podcast, I asked him about it. I thought that comment where they said that Xander Bogarts is our top priority. When you're the Boston Red Sox, if that's always been the case ever since this ownership group has been here, if that top priority, you do whatever it takes to get it. So if he doesn't say that and they land where they did with the Xander Bogarts offer, then you're just like, it's Schwarber, right? They're saying, ah, oh, we like him, but only on our terms. Right. But they did. that wasn't the case. They were saying that that guy is our top priority. Yeah, we love him, we love him, we And love they him. were never going to say that about Kyle Schwarber. But here's the thing, and I, we agree 100% on this, and I feel like the, the commentary 
that led to the distaste with the ownership group regarding Bogarts was all entirely self-inflicted. And the messaging, and I can't see a scenario where he's here. And if they had just signed Devers and never said that stuff about Bogarts, yeah, people would have been pissed that Bogarts left. But if you poll the 100 Red Sox fans, 80% would say, I'd rather the Devers deal than the Bogarts deal. And the one other thing that Sam Kennedy said was, because Ken asked a good question about the galaxies apart with yeah. Devers and, and Sam. I told you. Things. I told you. You did. You, you, asked, came, you came on the phone. You asked Bradford you about said, that quote. So what about the galaxies apart? I said it just wasn't true. And that You're right. And then he said to Ken, it was we, we were galaxies apart with both guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you're right about the, the, the keep coming. It started really in spring training of last year where you had players such as Chris Sale and say, hey, you know, we got to sign Bogarts. And we heard Cora say this. We had all throughout the year. But it's different when you get to the, the end of the year and you're having top priority. We, 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 I can't envision him in another uniform. All of that stuff. That is like next level. And like I said, for me, every time that they've done that in this ownership group's tenure, that's when ownership does what they did with Devers. And didn't do what they did with Bogarts. Right. They do. They do the David Price. We are. They gonna, do. They do. Go. They, when they wanted up until recently, when they wanted a guy, they usually were going to get him. Oh, totally. Right. Oh, question for you. Yeah. Do you think that they were playing on who Xander is as a loyal guy? I just thought of this. I could be totally wrong. Using the public displays of affection to sort of overcome the distance between the two when it came to the salary, like Brady, like right. Kraft did with Brady. Yeah. Way. Which which would have been. Was and is a huge mistake, right? So, but do you think that that that's why? Well, they were I mean, so this is this goes back to the this goes back to the end of the year. Remember the last game of the year? Oh, the Xander Bogarts met with ownership. Right. Well, unless Scott Boris is sitting right next to him, right. it doesn't make a difference. Right. I mean, well, that was a McAdam report. <laughs> no, no, that was a good report. But it was like if you can put the guy's name up on the jumbotron all the live long day, but when San Diego comes in with the eleven year deal, forget about it. Right. Can we take a call on this. Let's go to Carl in the Cape. Hello, Carl. You're on with Ken Curtis and Rob Bradford. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, excellent. Curtis, I'm going to make you a happy man because, for once, I agree with you so much. I love you. I really do. I'm telling you. Listen, they bumbled this right from the start. There was nothing wrong with not re-signing Xander Bogart. We all agree. That contract was nuts. I mean, to pay a guy 40 years old, $30 $30 million a year or close to it. That's just insanity. Um, so that said, why not be a little more, dare I say, transparent right out of the gate? Look, we're not going to sign a player that's X age to X amount. Yeah. But to, to the way that they handled it from the start, that's what created all this hoopla. I mean, they've got to get better. The Red Sox, the front office, ownership, they have to get better with communication with the fans, particularly when it comes to re-signing players and particularly homegrown yeah. players. That's a good point, Carl. Yeah, I mean, and do you think they blame Bloom for that, for going on your podcast, Rob, and saying we love <laughs> we love Xander Bogarts? You know? Well, I mean, <laughs> sure. I'm, blame me. Blame me for everything. It is uh, your fault. Yeah, exactly. You going to stick around? Yeah, man. Yeah. Bradfoe is here. Winter Baseball weekend. isn't boring. Nowhere to go. It's the Ken and Curtis Show. I'm going to be in Ticket Town. Go to Ticket Town. Are you back. running the, what is this, the 40-yard dash or yeah, whatever it is? I already did it twice. I come on, 10. come on. We did it in the Super Bowl. Do <laughs> oh, all my this, God. Uh, let's that go. kick was so bad. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I went out on a private jet to film him making a kick. I, I thought was, it was worth it. I missed yeah. the viral moment. 30 yards. <laughs> Time now for Joe Braverman and What's Trending. We are here to one. Arcan joins us from one to four at Winter Weekend. Now, here's What's Trending on WEEI. It's the start of the NFL Divisional Round today as the Jaguars will play the Chiefs in Kansas City, followed by the Giants versus the Eagles from Philadelphia. We will have Westwood One's coverage of both games starting at four following Christian Arcan. It's the NFL playoffs on Westwood One. The Celtics will go for their ninth straight win against Toronto for the first of three road games in four days. Jason Tatum, however, is not going to play as he deals with left wrist soreness. Tatum is coming off playing 48 of a possible 53 minutes in the team's overtime win against Golden State last Thursday night. Tip-off between the Seas and the Raps is set for five. The Bruins return to the ice tomorrow night when they host the San Jose Shark. Off the ice, trade talks have intensified for Canucks captain Bo Horvat. And the Bruins are among teams interested, according to Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff. And this just broke a few minutes ago. Thomas Nosek suffered a left foot fracture in the team's win against the Islanders. He will be reevaluated in four weeks. The Patriots finished their first round of interviews for a new offensive coordinator this past week. Candidates include Alabama OC Bill O'Brien, Vikings wide receiver coach Keenan McCardell, Pats tight end coach Nick Cayley, Cardinals wide receiver coach Sean Jefferson, and Oregon O-line coach Adrian Clem. According to Ian Rappaport earlier in the week, Bill O'Brien is considered to be the top candidate. In other football news, Tom Brady intends to take his time about his future, but Bucks players were under the impression that he won't return to Tampa based on their interactions. This according once again to Ian Rappaport. And big trade in the MLB as the Miami Marlins acquired reigning AL batting champ Luis Araiz, from the Minnesota Twins for right-hander Pablo Lopez and two prospects. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We didn't sign up because when you make those bets, they're big bets. And those bets... Hang with me. Hang with me. Those bets, those bets usually, now y'all know it, you guys are smart, those bets are much better up front and on the back end. We know that, every team knows that when they're making those bets. Oh boy, that was a tough moment. Tough moment for Hein Bloom last night here at the Mass Mutual Center. Ken and Curtis roll on. Ken, Curtis, and Rob Bradford joining us. What? Was he intentionally saying bets the bet? Uh, you know, I, that's, that's, on, uh, that's the first time I heard of it. Oh. Heard that? Oh. I've actually heard of it. Um, he said it so many times. I kind right. of feel like maybe he was. I oh. don't know. Wow. You bets believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he does know that gambling's coming in Massachusetts, so maybe that's a play. But, there you I go. Mean, I mean, to be fair, to get into Yale, you have to be absurdly smart. So you lose things. You, nobody has everything, you know? Nobody has everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little. A little delicate there with Heim with the uh, the people. We'll get back to that in a second. Can I give you a little football nugget from Adam Schefter? Did you get accepted to Yale when you chose Springfield College? Yeah, of course. I right. chose Springfield, the Harvard of Alden Street, mm-hmm. the yeah, birthplace of basketball. How many years did you spend here? 
Four. Seven. Four. I don't know. <laughs> did you How many commute? years did someone usually go to college? Four. Did you commute? What? I don't know. Did I commute? Well, it's 90 minutes. Not that bad. Not, not from where I... No, I did not commute. I don't I, think anybody I, commutes to Springfield College. <laughs> People commute from New Hampshire to Boston every day, 90 minutes a day. I don't know. It's, it's not 90 minutes from Nashua to Boston. It did, could be in traffic. Did you commute to, like, hour traffic? Did you commute from Pittsburgh to Northeastern? Yes, so, it is. Probably the same. That's 10 hours. Same One summer when he started dating D, he was doing 10 hours. Of, <laughs> I got that story That's like 30 true. times. Jesus, Mary. Now, here's a, here's a football nugget. God, you're getting salty. Don't talk to your brand manager that way. Yeah, really? He literally spent the entire morning just picking scabs for no reason. Yet again, that's another meeting in my office Monday, Curtis, 11 a.m. <laughs> well, I'm going to send my associate Jackson on my behalf. <laughs> Can I give you an, an Adam Schefter nugget, please? Yes. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers are both fully aware that a trade is a real scenario this offseason. Oh, man. Ooh. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, please, God. That would be awesome. Not the Patriots? That's no. not the first thing you think about? No. I want, I want to see Aaron Rodgers... Brady to the Dolphins, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, and Josh Allen. What a division. No, uh, the Patriots mm. will be in on him. They will. Ooh. I, don't, I don't think they'll bring him. I think it would be a huge mistake. I hate Aaron Rodgers with a fiery passion. But it, it, Kraft, it, Kraft and Bill, they're going to be tempted by that. That, that Jet, will Joe, tempt them both. You re- here's, here's the bigger question, okay? Remember when Daisuke Matsuzaka came here and the fight necklaces became a big thing? Is Aaron Rodgers that for ayahuasca? Yeah, we're going to have enemas all over the place. It's going to pop up on Newbury Street. Uh, if you just tuned in, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I, the, the situation here is that when you don't have the guy, which they don't know if Mac is the guy, then you're in on all the guys you know about. And so Aaron Rodgers, his contract, Shime and Wiggy were going back and forth this week. It's very the, – the, the Packers will be totally obliterated regarding dead cap if you believe in the cap. They'll have like $40 million of dead cap. Wow, interesting to hear you say that. I don't believe in it, but if you're a publicly held team like the Packers are, maybe people don't like it. And you know Bill Belichick this, this past couple weeks said there was no cap. So anyway. They should um, get Bloom to explain this. If you make the bets before the bets, well, there's a danger in making the bets too all early. All of a sudden I want to gamble. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Ken, what Heim would say, well, Mr. Rogers was welcoming, but I don't know if it's going to be welcoming for Aaron here when he comes to the Patriots. The, pa- the situation here is simple. If... Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, the way Tyree Kill went to the Bill. I uh, went to the um, Tyree Kill Dolphins. went to the Dolphins or Step Diggs went yep. to the Bills. Then it's going to be less so that we should have had him, but you're going to be forced to see your inaction twice a year. So I don't know what the relationship status is with Mac Jones, but if Aaron Rodgers comes to the division, is there any doubt that the Jets are favored over the Patriots? The Patriots are the worst team in the division. But it would help you. You sell Rodgers on, we're going to make a trade for T. Higgins or whatever, and we need your help, and this is, a, this is our plan. But Bill is O'Brien. Really up, is it up to Rodgers as much as it's up to the Packers? Isn't it the best deal they get? Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe trade Mac. Trade, trade them a package. They already know. have Jordan Love. They don't need Mac. Competition? I don't know. It's, it's just, I'm just putting it out there. I, I, Do I'd you think they a will? Long shot? No, I don't think they will. Do you think they should? Yes, yes. Over Mac? Over an- that means they should. Here's why. Because Bill doesn't like Mac. That is obvious. He doesn't like him. He doesn't believe in but him. But Bill's not going to be here in three years. But neither is Rodgers, so that's perfect. The timeline matches up. It's better to try with Rodgers than to go three more years with Mac. What is more likely, an open dalliance with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers. 
It's Rogers. But you heard Bill gush about him this year. I know. That's and what I was going to say, Joe. If you can find yeah. it in GHS Daily, it should be some give me, sound. Give me your top five Bill Belichick dalliances with players. Ooh, uh, number one was Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, great, humping the leg. Um, Ed Reed. Oh, Ed Reed, 2009 at Football yep. Life. Uh, Albert Hainsworth worked out well. And Chad Ostrasenko. <laughs> Tim, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. Oh, my God. Do you remember the Tebow <laughs> came and we had, like, loaded lines did on you, Tebow? Did, oh, did you hear? Tebow was on recently on a podcast, I think it was. Jesus. And he, he talked about how he signed this deal with the Patriots, which, you know, there's no bonuses. They could cut him and not pay him and anything else. And he had the pre-draft dinner in the North End. Remember that with Bill. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very important. Yeah. But – he was offered a $1 million show up for one day for some sponsorship for $1 million. And he goes to Bill because Bill wanted to fly in the radar. Hey, I know I'm supposed to fly in the radar. I can take this day. Like, no, I would rather you stick around. And he got cut a week later. He lost a million bucks. He lost a million bucks. Jeez. Yeah, there you go. Back to your question, Curtis. Kraft would prefer Brady because Brady does not require a trade. As Kike Hernandez walks by. But wouldn't you agree with that? Kraft would be pro-Brady oh, over Rodgers. Well, but Bill will be pro Rogers over Brady. But it's just so everybody says, and they're right. If Brady comes, it's Bill capitulating that it was always Tom. Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, if you bring in Rogers, aren't you saying the same thing? Like you're saying, I you need, need a Hall need of Fame quarterback. MVP yeah. quarterback to win. So then, whether it's Tom or Aaron, what's the difference? But you went ten years. Rogers hasn't won. He needs a good coach to win. Oh, I don't think that. So Bill then becomes the guy that got him over the hump. But here's the issue. I, I get all that. The question is what the cost, because yeah. if Aaron Rodgers wants to be Tom in the you know the majority of his career, which is take twenty million and be happy, but if he's making forty million, which is what I think he was this past year, is he really going to want to cut his salary in half? Because I don't think I think the Patriots are on board with everything except the salary. Hmm. All right, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Fifteen minutes or so away from David Ortiz, Big Poppy joining us live here at Winter Weekend. Bradfoe has once been reported as David Ortiz called you his favorite media member. Yes, that's documented. Well documented in 2014, history. 2014, it may have changed. So I think you should stay for the interview, Curtis. <laughs> I, I, to say that when Rob joined the set in, in Ortiz is within a three-mile radius, it was going to take the jaws of life to get him off anyway. <laughs> so you ask me like I have a say. You don't. Rob is staying. This will be a good interview with David Ortiz. Okay, good. Now I can ask steroids. I got people next to me. I'll do it. Jeez. Uh, how does this play out for the. Uh, I did vote for him for the Hall of Fame. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it was a shock to us all. Yeah, there you go. Isn't it a little Did you do unseemly? something creative with the uh, ballot reveal, by the way? Oh, did I? Yes. I have no idea. Did I? Eight men out. It was widely praised among baseball circles. Curtis, what do you think about the eight men out reveal? I thought it was, we talked about it beforehand. He yes. gave me the whole lowdown about the flight to Chicago, the cornfields, all that. DB Sweeney, yeah. And, and spoiler alert: raisins, not chewing tobacco. Well, well, that's that's well, what God, I read online. Geez, lift up the skirt. That, well, no, it's on the podcast. Oh, it's behind right. the scenes of the greatest uh, Hall of Fame ballot reveal of all that's time. Where I heard it, Ken. There you go. A-hole. But can <laughs> I ask Ortiz about the pitch clock stuff? Because well, okay, yes. He once bitched about changes when he put oh. a player, and now he's all on board of the changes. Well, but then he came around. So yeah. that, you know what Wiggy would call that? Fraudulent. He, yeah, is, fraudulent. he was definitely fraudulent. But that, that actually is a great example where they had, remember the rule, which is still in place and they don't enforce it anymore. Right. What, you're supposed to keep one foot in the batter's box at all times. So he was told this in spring training. He flips out. It becomes a big thing. 
Then he says, I think he was here, winter weekend. He was asked about it after he retired. He's like, it was the best thing for me because it made me worry about the next pitch instead of worrying the last one. And there's going to be an element of all these guys bitching about the pitch clock, and they're going to it was the best thing for me. I mean, there's definitely going to be that. And, by the way, they're also not going to enforce everything MLB umpires do with new rules. Remember, the sticky stuff. They were giving guys full body cavity searches. Right. Right? Yeah, that went away. I mean, like, that went, now, now it's, the, it's the meme of the security guard at the football game. Right. You're barely touching the guy. And that's how it's going to be with a pitch clock. Now, Curtis and I, Curtis says the best moment of Ortiz's career, the most memorable, was, was when he hired was, Ed Davis. Was the, was the Boston Strong uh, moment. Stay strong. Uh, of course, the famous speech. Not an on-field moment. Do you think Ortiz would have no, been the best moment? Is most the memorable grand, grand slam, Tigers? Yeah, yeah. That's you what have, I said. You literally, I think it's the biggest hit in, in the history of the Red Sox because you literally cannot have anything but a home run in that moment. If you don't have it, you probably don't. Five go to one, eighth inning, bases loaded, and bingo bango. Joaquin, uh, Joaquin Benoit tipping his pitches. Mm. Ask him that. No, I, Steve. What was Steve? Those cops' name? Steve Horgan? I don't know. Yeah, racist. Center field, right yeah, center field, whatever. It is. Left. What, yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. So so that he'll say that. When, if you ask David that. No, people. I don't know what he'll say, but, like, if you said, like. wasn't what David's most memorable moment for David was. Yeah, yeah. It was the resonance in the city was likely a moment because we were talking about how the fan base. Uh, how the fan base um, was reacting to the owners yesterday and that there is no try, there's do or do not. And that you, if you have to explain yourself, it doesn't work. And I you know, I that. think there's a lot of parallels with the 2013 season, like, in that respect. So we go back to, like, what happened last night and how everything has turned so much and how did it get to this place. Well, you go back to after 2012. You made that big trade with the Dodgers. You know, you have the Bobby Valentine year. This is a disaster. What are Chicken they doing? Chicken and beer the year before. Yeah, exactly. Chicken and beer. I mean, it's just disaster, everything. And, and you sign a few guys in 2013. But the thing is that people forget about 2013. I don't know if you remember it this way. It wasn't until late August till people actually believed in that team. You had the Bruins on a run. Yep. And then you had Aaron Hernandez dominating the news. Right. You had the Bruins run because of whatever happened that year, a lockout or something. The, the Stanley Cup was in July. Wasn't it really or late June? Yeah, all I know is that it, it turned really quick to Aaron Hernandez. Yep, and obviously Aaron Hernandez dominated. And then you you don't have you, uh, the Red Sox. They were a nice team with with players who were overachieving, but it wasn't until late August. And in this case, with this team, you can get off to a great start. I think it's going to be the same deal. It's going to take a long time for people to buy in. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know about that. If Sale comes out of the gate, no, and he's strong, people well, will turn. You quickly. also have. You know, one of the best hockey teams of all time right now. Right, BC. You, you, BC, exactly. Connie Forums packed every single night. <laughs> Silvio Connie Forums. <laughs> Sorry. By I, the way, uh, no shake out for four weeks. You worried about that, Curtis? Broken foot reported today. I am worried about that. Does he have a good podiatrist? Was it a slew so. foot? Slew foot? Oh, I think it's a shot off there oh. in the Islanders game. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm anyway. Not worried. I, I, I'm a big Pavel Zaka guy. Okay, good. <laughs> He's hitting cleanup for the Red Sox. I, I, I can tell so. you that, yeah. <laughs> Heim's gonna, he's going to stand in for Heim tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. But you have the Bruins, you have the Celtics. It's going to be the same deal. It's gonna be the, I think it's going to be the same deal. I, I disagree in this regard. If they start out poorly, oh, I, it's, it's going to be ugly quick. Yeah, I, I, was, I was talking about like a 2013 right. example of them oh, being no. good. You're totally right about that. I mean, I feel like there was 
John Lackey had like a two-month reclamation project where before he was the most reviled guy, and then he <laughs> had that game three start at Comerica Park. The good, uh, they, I think he outdueled Scherzer or Verlander. I don't remember. Verlander, yeah. Um, and Napoli, all those guys that are now beloved weren't really recognized until they got to the playoffs that year. Well, let's take a break before David Ortiz comes over. I believe we have. Want to get? A, what do you think, Doug? Your advice? We'll pause. And, and well, David Ortiz on the other side. Before we break, because I love yeah. old school baseball stuff with Rob. My favorite post game moment was when Mike Napoli asked Ken Rosenthal to ask him about war, so he could say, <laughs> "I don't care about war. It's all about who you go to war with." I think that oh. was Johnny Gomes. What did I say? Napoli. You said Napoli. Oh, I meant Johnny Gomes. Sorry. Good job, Joe Braverman, correcting Curtis. David Ortiz, who was on Bradfoe's Hall of Fame ballot, will join us next. <laughs> Benoit delivers. Swinging a high deep drive in the right field. That one stalled to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Oh. 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 Too excited. Hey, oh, there it if, is. If the... you don't love David Ortiz at some element of your life, then you have no soul. But, I mean, it's a bit a little much. It was a great call. It was a great call. Great call. Dave O'Brien moment... on the call on WEI. And that's, that's the big day that Fitzy always alludes to because he had the Kenbrell Tompkins Ken touchdown. Kenbrell Tompkins touchdown. Against the Saints. And then three hour, five hours later, you had the, uh, the Ortiz. They were dead. <laughs> I was at game one of that series. Dead as a doornail in that series. I think they were no hit. For the first five innings of both the first two games. I mean, I, was Scherzer game one? Uh, well, Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez, yeah, game one. Game I, two. I, we went there. I was at that game. It was freezing cold. It was awful. The you next didn't have night, the seats with the heaters? No. I was back when my dad had the uh, section 149, row DD, seats five and six. Ooh. Great seats. We no longer have them because they're not very good. But they're going to be good this year, I think. We're all in. Did you? So you were there for the Ortiz game? Uh, no, I went oh, to game oh. one. Oh, that uh, was a Sunday. Sad I had, of a game. As a sports guy, I had to be at home to watch all the games. I couldn't just go to one, you know. Well, I would have, would have loved to have been there. We'll ask David if that's his favorite moment of his career. My or, favorite or David Ortiz moment that I was in person mm-hmm. for, game five, ALCS, junior year of college, the longest game ever. Every pitch you had the Veritech throwing to uh, – Wakefield throwing to Veritech. Oh. You had the ball that skipped into the stands by Tony Clark. They st- survived the bloop into center field. I have never been more excited at a sporting event than they won so, that game. So let me ask you this. Brady, uh, maybe this is a loaded question for Curtis. I don't know. but Brady, definitely. No, the, the clutchest player that you've ever seen. Oh, Brady, not even close. I think Ortiz is close. I've never seen anything anything like him. Go, but he you, he didn't have his hand in the entirety of a comeback the way Brady has over and over. Yesterday was the four-year anniversary of the AFC title game in Kansas City. You watch those third-down plays. I mean, my Atlanta. <laughs> I, I'll, say, I'll say this, is that they don't win. Of the three World Series, they don't win two of them without him. No, I would say he's number two. He's definitely yeah. – I mean, he's the most clutch baseball player I've ever seen, no matter what team. I mean, Jeter was great, but he didn't have the – Troop had the great call of game four where he said jump on his back. I mean, Ortiz was carrying that team. In well, a- he carried 04 and he carried um, he carried uh, 13 was he hit 600 and the rest of the team hit 100. Right. And you think about what that team's what he was truly carrying, which is the region to a World Series. Yeah. There was far more pressure on Ortiz that playoff run than's ever been on uh, Tom Brady. 
We'll have David Ortiz we expect here momentarily, and a big crowd. I thought maybe, Curtis, uh, you and I were getting more popular, but no, it's just no, Ortiz. No, it is. They were all, all saying, Curtis, can you sign? I said, no, <laughs> I charge. Uh, no, a lot of people here. It is a great showing, I have to say. If you, if you listen to certain people at certain times, you think that nobody gives a damn about this team, and you come here for this weekend, and it's evident the, the passion exists, mm-hmm. and it's been... Uh, you know why? It's because d- they don't have the relationship. No, it's, it's a damn near perfect game. Oh, oh baseball isn't boring. I read yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you brought that up. What is that reference to, Rob Bradford? Oh, I have no idea. No, no, quite. Look at see people are wearing T-shirts. Says, All Rob cares about with the book, which the book is coming out soon, February twenty eighth. Advanced sales now on Amazon. Have yeah, you got number one baseball? Book. Is that Amazon sales are ahead of Drellick's book? Oh, that's all I care. Oh my about. God, that's we have to talk about, about that for one second. Oh, I, I'll be happy to talk so, about. So, by it. the way, have there been more pre copy copies pre sold of baseballs and boring or no, spare? It's not, it, it's not baseball. Okay, is, for yeah, your book I, or Prince Harry's book? Oh, it's close. <laughs> and are you going to be on Anderson Cooper? Uh, we're, we're efforting that. Okay, we're, good. A- Andy Cohen, uh, watch what happens live. We're going to be on that. Okay, I don't he's hear, in the book. I don't want to hear about Joe Kelly and Arden Cream. Or whatever that was. <laughs> but but uh, but Ken brings up a very important topic: this dominating Drellick's book. This dominating galaxies yeah. apart. Would you say? I mean, his book comes out two weeks before, and it's. It's not even close. Now he uh, apparently he's not very this. kind to Alex Cora in the Drellick book. The Drellick, yeah. Well, who would have thought? Because it's about the Houston Astros cheating stick scandal. Yeah. yeah, I know this is only for us, but I don't care. Ken sent me this page from the book. He talks about why. No, he I did. sent this to you. Yeah, yeah. Bradford yeah. sent it to me, and I said, "I want full credit." I, I was trying to make sure that you were absolved. Of no, guilt. no. I, anytime I can rip Drellick, I'll be happy. To. Okay, so. Um, Basically, he has an entire page dedicated to why he didn't break the Astros or Red Sox cheating <laughs> scandals. Blaming it on the network that is rivaled to the one that is owned by the Red Sox, that is owned by Comcast, that has limitless cash. And he blames Comcast Boston for not supporting his pursuit of the truth. Yeah. The, the, the most important one is that he mentions his time at WEI. In right. That yeah, he, he says that... Um, uh, Days pass slowly with some, with some part-time work on the radio in Boston. Why you can't say W-E-E-I, you clown? <laughs> Talking to fans after games, 617-779-7937. Taking your calls, Chris and Natick, what's up? That's the end and of it. And by the way, I know who Chris and Natick is. Uh-oh. It's, it's Chris Mason. Patriots writer. Oh, that was his yeah, one caller? that's his buddy. Was that his plan? So you know that like him making up callers, it's a fraudulent book. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Now, that guy is a... I mean, if he gets married, God bless that woman, but he is a handful. Holy cow. I love Evan. Now, D- David Ortiz was also, of course, of the mindset that they need to bring Devers back, which they have done. Yeah, but, he was one of the voices. But they, Bogarts as well. So, you know, yeah. will, he, will he be um, – how's he been uh, reacting this weekend to the news? <laughs> have you I mean, talked to him I yet? have not talked to him, but I, I, I don't think that they were very happy. I think yeah. that, that you, look at, you look at the alumni of yeah. the Red Sox – and I think to a man, they were looking at what's going on here, and like this isn't the Red Sox we knew. I mean, some are more vocal than others, but they was like when we were playing, it was if we needed a guy, we're really going to get him. Yeah. And usually, because that's usually how it worked, right? Did they let in the Ortiz era? Of course, Lester was one, but like, and you know, of course, Damon. I mean, there there were some that got away, so to speak, or they let go. But if chose- they really wanted a guy, yeah. Like if they really like Lester, it was you know they lowballed him and, and they they botched that as John Henry admitted five years later. Was Ortiz vocal about that at the time? Yeah, the yeah. I mean, I don't think he was happy about it. But, yeah. but the, the 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 Damon one, there were a lot because it was close to the '04 win that 
Damon was the villain. So it wasn't John Henry. It was whatever that T-shirt was, throws like Mary, hits like whatever, play, yeah. acts like Judas. You know, mm-hmm. People were angry at Damon. Yep. There's not the angle. Like, that's morphed, too. Because... Like Tommy Trader T-shirts, perhaps, <laughs> created by Greg Hill? <laughs> but but, but if, they, if they wanted a guy, and there's plenty of examples of this, David Price jumps to mind. I mean, by some accounts, $40 million more than the next offer. Right. If they wanted a guy, they're going to get a Carl Crawford. You know, lackey. Pablo. Pa- Pablo. Hanley. I mean, these. if they wanted a Rusny. guy. <laughs> I remember saying this on the radio a ton, saying the the last time that they did not get the guy that they wanted was Mark Deshera. That's how long ago it was before they, they sort of took this right-hand turn. And you know what happened back in the day when there was the bridge year that Shaughnessy grabbed a hold of? Well, Tom Warner came on EEI and said, we're going to blow the bridge up. You know, so they reacted viscerally to criticism and changed course and showed their financial might in ways that they haven't recently. Well, which... we, we can agree that in this what's going on now, we kept waiting for ownership to step in and do exactly what we're talking about. The one time that we can say they stepped in was Devers, right? Yep. So, De- so this is this – is, they, they were backed into a corner with Devers in a lot of different ways. His market, his performance, his importance, and also the Devers shirts around here. You had, if Devers leaves, who, who do you have? Yeah. You, you, that is a huge, huge hit. When it comes to the business yep, side Ken, of things. Ken at the dais last night. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I did a good job. While we wait for David Ortiz, let's take a couple calls. Here's Jack in the south end next on Kenny Curtis. Hi, Jack. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for uh, getting me. Appreciate it. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I just wanted to call real quick uh, and, and sort of agree with, mostly agree with Curtis in terms of the whole Bogarts thing and how that was handled. I mean, I'm not convinced at all that, that Bloom was uh, intent on signing Bogarts really at any point. I mean, people are saying, you know, oh, $280 million. Like, But it, it didn't have to be really nearly that much a year ago from now. I, I've said this before, I'm a broken record, whatever. But they offered him, like, one year $30 million and lowballed him. So I'm, re- I'm really not convinced that they ever wanted him. And uh, if that's the case, they should have been, frankly, clear about it or at least said nothing. Mm-hmm. Good point, Jack. But that's what's baffling to me. It really is because this, this was following a very similar blueprint which is you lowball the guy, and then you kind of like, okay, you make an offer if you come back to it. But the biggest difference was when you said he's our top priority. And I thought, to go back to it, I thought what Sam said to you guys was pretty important, acknowledging that that was a mistake. Do you think they intended to trade him at the deadline but then pivoted after the Vasquez reaction? or like No. no. So that was not the case? I mean, that's, a, that's another great point because if you – by not trading him, you're saying we're going to do everything we can to sign him. Right, and then they didn't follow through and, and, on that. And they're saying, well, you know, that no one's going to match the What same. would they have got for him in a trade? I, I mean, mean, something good. Something. Yep. So, oh, they see me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Here we come. All right. And you're going to hear the reaction of the crowd here. You know who's coming through. I mean, this is like this Thank is you very much, everybody. I mean, you guys have had a lot of players come up here, yeah, but no, nothing like this. Nothing right? like this. This is rock star. Yeah. I mean, me, yes. I'm, uh, I'm here, so well, it's hard to quantify exactly how important he is. Well, he's only a one favorite reporter. That's Rob Bradford. Yeah, well, I don't know. But Mr. David Ortiz joins us here on WEEI <laughs> on the Ken and Curtis Show. How you doing? Good to see you. Hi, David. Thanks for coming. And here he is for his fans. Look at this crowd. Yeah. We'll get him a headset here. He's, he borrowed my sunglasses. Hello, David. What's going on? Does this ever get old, this crowd that follows you around? That's unbelievable, right? What do you think of this group? Uh, 
I mean, you know how fans are when it comes down to the Red Sox. I mean, the best fan base uh, of all time. Um, you know, it was an honor to be able to perform for all of, for all of them because this fan support this ball club better than anyone I have seen. We were just talking. We just heard the uh, the Grand Slam call coming back uh, in the Tigers series. What is the favorite David Ortiz moment? One moment from your whole career. Number one. What's number one? <laughs> you know, other, other than every day when I came up to your locker and talked <laughs> to you. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I realized just in, uh, uh, when we were doing uh, talking to the fan thing, winning a World Series at home, I mean, seriously, think about it. That's better than winning on the road. It's just, it, just, it might be like the best moment well, because of any player. Uh, yeah, because otherwise Napoli's shirtless in St. Louis, and you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like, I realized that, like, wait a minute. 2013, we ended, you know, the season winning at home in front of our home crowd, you know, and that, that might be the happiest moment that I have had, you know, because – that's the determination, you know, the dedication, the discipline, all of them combined at one boom. Here, back, we back were, at you. you we, were, I mean? we were saying, though, we were comparing the two moments, which was your this is our bleeping city moment, right? And then I said the biggest hit in Red Sox history was the Grand Slam in Detroit. So if you had to pick up those two, for you, and both are impactful, right? Yeah. Like, for you, like, what is a – Well, I mean, I got to tell you, when, when, when a city – go through what we went through at the moment you you would love to go to uh uh those comics about superhero to find a superhero that can help you to bounce back you know what i'm saying and uh uh because you realize that something just went down that nobody ever expected that to happen especially in this country and once that happened all you got to do is just you and i face it and and fight back so, you know, when it comes down to to having fun and at the same time do something that that basically help you help the town to bounce back up, I would pick that one moment. All right. Oof. Okay. All right. Well, I, I agree. I was uh, sided with that earlier. But, David, I, I know that everybody knew what 04 meant. And you came here in 03 and you were so close. Game 7 of the ALCS, you know, extra innings. Were you – even yourself shocked at how much that actually meant to the people that followed you every day after you won the World Series and you came back and you had the parade. I mean, because we were comparing your career and Tom Brady's and who's clutcher. I, I go Brady. I, you were number two. But what you had on your shoulders in 04 was unprecedented in terms of down 3-0 against the Yankees. And then you had to win the World Series, 86 years, everything that went to that. Did you know what you were accomplishing in real time, and did you gain any perspective afterwards that you may not have had when you were in the middle of those games? Well, like you say, you know, uh, 2003, I basically noticed the importance of winning a World Series uh, in New England, especially uh, being short on the season, losing the one game in New York. And uh, once I started recognizing how important it was for a city like this one, you know, I, I, I commit myself to work extremely hard and, and try to get better at my game. And I know I had teammates that did exactly the same thing, and that's why we accomplished uh, winning the World Series in 2004. But after the 2003 season, 
that was when I really, you know, uh, um, recognized how deep down into this the fans are uh, hitting New England. Did you, uh, when you, when Bogarts left, was that a surprise to you? I know, uh, spoiler alert, you wanted him back. We know that, right? You knew that you wanted him back. But was it a surprise to you? Because you've gone through, and I've, I've seen you go through a lot of contract negotiations with this ownership group, and you've seen guys on your team come and go. But were you surprised when that day came that Xander Bogarts was moving on? Well, uh, yeah, it was a shocker. You know, seeing uh, uh, one of the most complete players that I have ever played with uh, go somewhere else, you know, you, you would think uh, why a situation like that happens. And at the end of the day, the ownership are the one that can answer those questions. But uh, I think he left at the wrong time. That's the only way I can call it because uh, Bogart was very unique. He was, he was a great teammate, great player. He, he was a great leader, you know, and that package is hard to get. Now, we had no other option to move on and try to hire someone that came, became to uh, uh, be Bogart. Because remember, before Bogart, we had somebody else. Now Bogart is going, we got to be able to, you know, put ourselves together to see if we can uh, uh, get a piece like that. Yeah, it's well, going to be hard. Yeah, well, listen, listen, I mean, when you left, right, when you left, they spent a year trying to find a DH, and they couldn't find one. So they have to go out and sign J.D. Martinez. So yes. it might take a year. But here's another question is that you have – so, listen, I mean, good for Xander for getting a deal in San Diego. He deserves it. Yeah, he did 11 years. No one's going to turn that down. But you playing in Boston, you know, like, what it's like to get through a season and being in this environment. There, is there going to be a time, you think, when Xander looks around and said, boy, the weather's really nice here, but I kind of miss sort of the whole Boston scene. You must have come across guys who are like that, right, who moved on other places? Well, in his case, I mean, Bogart is a guy that he always going to love Boston regardless because this is all he knows until now but let's not forget that san diego is putting a team together to win yeah but the fan base isn't like it is here well let me tell you how you get the fans base you win you win yeah well <laughs> you know what i'm saying you start winning you start whooping everybody okay the fans base fall in love with what you guys All right, are but doing here's the, the here's the thing okay but when you lose right they just don't show up when you lose here you get passion like you did last night. That's the difference, right? So. Well, remember, I used to come to Fenway before 2003, and it was nobody understand. You know why? Because it wasn't a winning ball club. Yeah. I'm not going to – I don't want to – look, I don't want to go and pay to watch a losing ball club. I would not do that, and I would not recommend that to anyone. I don't care what type of fans you are. You are fans. You want to have fun. If you pay a high ticket, it's because you're going to have fun. Regardless. San Diego, to me, right now, they're they they, they packing up. They're they packing up. They're going to be good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're packing up. They, they had a little taste last year of what it is beating the Dodgers. And they know that they still need more pieces to continue beating the Dodgers. So that's what they do. So what you're saying is Andrew will be okay. He'll be oh, okay. I think so. <laughs> David, uh, 
how about Devers? Now that he got the money, mm-hmm. what kind of pressure's on him? How will he handle that? And will teams just pitch around him in this lineup? If I'm facing, I will pitch around him regardless. No doubt about it. Because you're talking about one of the most uh, uh, fear hitter in baseball right now. I've been there before. And if I had no one behind me, they won't pitch me. You know that. Now we need to find a way to be able to have somebody that consistently protect him so he can continue swinging and, and he can continue seeing pitches to him because he's still too young. And you don't want to get to the point where you get frustrated because your, your production is not quite there. But you got to s- see both sides. You got to see if they are pitching you and you are missing pitches or if they are not pitching you and you are chasing pitches. Two way to look at it. So we'll see. Let's see. Let's see what the season brings to the table. You, your final year, 36 home runs. You were dominant. 38. 38. Sorry. <laughs> Don't cut <call> me off. <laughs> I was reading Bradford's book. He wrote 36. He was off by two. Oh uh, yeah. Um. So my apologies, but how much willpower does that require to retire when you know you can still play at the highest level? And did you ever have regret? that you stopped too soon? No, I don't regret it. Not because I don't want to be or continue performing in front of the best fans of all time. It was because I was not going to give them what I normally got them used to. That's how I feel because I was hurting so bad and my injury just continued aggravating. And I wasn't ready just to play one day and not play another three. I, was, I never got used to not playing a Fenway, basically. You know, like, I, I used to take my day off more lightly on the road than at home because I know these fans want action. I know these fans want to pay the ticket to watch their good players. You know what I'm saying? So, but the following season, it was gonna, I, I had to go through so many things to get prepared to play. And I noticed that not the season that I retired, 2015. I was I was struggling a lot to get prepared to play, and and the 2016 season was something that I had to put a lot. I had to double up my 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 preparation to to be able to put a season together like that. So I wasn't getting any younger, and, man. And I was, you had all those gifts too. I mean, you can't give back a golf cart with the Dominican flag on the roof, right? <laughs> Once you take that, it's... You, There's some other gift missing at my house. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Have you been around my house? Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of your house, though, I, well, one of the highlights I've ever had was taking that tour of the Hall of Fame with you back in May, where it was just us, where, where you just had the tour. And I saw how much that meant to you back then. I mean, we were this far away when you're watching the highlight reel of all the Hall of Famers, and you could tell the emotion. Has it hit home now that you're – I don't know if you know this, you're in the Hall of Fame. But now that you're in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> has it hit home that you are there and has that changed your life at all? Well, um, to be honest with you, not much has changed. <laughs> you know, I'm all over the place like, you, like I used to. Um, the thing is that I uh, basically I, – I, I, I was the type of player that – I used to work on my image, promoting my image and doing some other things that uh, once I became to be a Hall of Famer, I was already at, at quite there. I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah. So 
everything continued the same. But it has been an incredible honor, to be honest with you, to be part of the Hall of Fame, man. I mean, they put you in this one room with guys that a lot of them you didn't get to watch them play, but a lot of them you get to to watch them play, and you'll be like, this is pretty cool. Like, guys that are my hero, I'm in the same room wearing the same cap that they are wearing. You know, it's something that uh, it, it, it's, 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 you're never going to end up uh, um, uh, fantasizing about that. You know what I'm saying? It's something that always going to, it's never going to get old, basically. You know, and, 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 I have so much respect for a guy like Pedro that I never, like, tried to wear his shoes, you know what I'm saying? And and now that we both are Hall of Famer, I still, like, look at, like, I might really add that right there with Pedro, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just stay home, but I just keep it away, and and I feel like I'm a blessed man because of it, you know? How about a hand for the great David Ortiz, everybody? Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks coming. All right. David, there enjoy you your weekend. All right, buddy. That's the Hall of Famer, Big Poppy. Curtis, great job. All right, We'll Kenny. talk soon. Christian Arkin coming up next, everybody. Take care. From Winter Weekend. Go. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.